for those coaches that want to do an international internship, like say if we take UW as an example, just make sure you're you feel mature enough in your and mm. confident enough to to kind of feel a little bit uncomfortable. It was me operating the the business and clients. I've never worked in a team setting like that, so I thought no, well best way to do it um, is to go over to a place where it's renowned for its sport availability and is division one sports all over the place and whilst that is the case here if you're not doing soccer or football um yeah it's you know it's it's not worthwhile really in the uk more efficient with my space like let's move that because that's not in use anymore and it's a trip hazard or let's move that plate because it's not in use anymore and someone could trip on it um so that that was kind of one thing that kind of helped helped me was just having a tick sheet Hello and welcome back. So today's episode is with Jack Woolhouse. He is a coach from England that I met prior to him going over to America and coaching there. And we've sort of just built this relationship up. So hello, Jack. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. So give us a little bit of an introduction on yourself and how you got to become a stress and conditioning coach. Of course. Yeah, I mean... Winded way back when, um, when I was uh, 16, 17, choosing a college course, I really didn't have much of an idea of what I wanted to do, to be honest. Um, so I, uh, I I did my level two, level three personal training at college, um, which was a vocational course. Um, and a level three personal trainer is all you need for training in commercial settings. So I kind of fell straight from college, straight into personal training, um, just training general, general pop um clients, weight loss, that sort of thing. Um, and then as that career kind of started to get a little bit stale, um, I started to kind of find a craving for something a little bit more in depth, a little bit more um, focused. Um, and I, I, I met a trainer in one of the gyms I worked at and uh, he introduced me to a, a, a guy in Harborn, which is a, a local town to where I lived, um, who ran a sports therapy diploma. Um, and we had a few chats, um, did his level five sports therapy diploma. And then whilst I was doing that kind of got the opportunity to work within that clinic setting. Um, so I kind of developed into a hybrid between making the links between the exercise knowledge that I had from my personal training and then combining it with the recent sports therapy knowledge to kind of become this yeah hybrid coach for injuries. Um, never really gelled too much with all hands on. I never really mm. gelled too much with all gym work. So kind of started to see people and doing, I like, I kind of clicked with the treatment styles that allowed me to do it on the gym floor. Um, so typically incorporated movement. Um, and then, uh, again, another kind of connection with that, that clinic director is he, uh, he works at a college, a university college, Birmingham, which is my local university. And, uh, at, at one point, I think they had a, a performance conference. It's called the um, Spark Conference. So it's the Sports Performance mm. and Rehabilitation Conference. And uh, we got free tickets. So uh, I went along uh, to go see some of the speakers. I don't really remember many of the speakers because um, it was quite quite a while ago. Um, and there were only short little snippets. But what it did do was allowed us to go and tour the university's new renovated um, high-performance center. And uh, I was like, blown away I was like wow this is only down the road and um it's a perfect opportunity for me to 
to kind of take that step into a higher education because as I was developing, I was kind of experiencing that there is a bit of hierarchy of uh, education status. Um, you know, without a degree, I felt limited and felt like I wasn't really taken seriously. Um, I was always seen as just a level three personal trainer um, with a sports therapy kind of qualification. The um, So that ability to go into higher education and also at a facility which was like super high standard, the facilities, um, was kind of a no-brainer. Um, so that then developed me into my strength and conditioning degree, which I just graduated from on Wednesday. Um, and then on to a master's next week. Uh, it's not, not, <laughs> not, not really, yeah, it's not really stopped since, uh, since the degree started really, but whilst doing that also still maintaining my on, um, online and face-to-face personal training uh, and coaching business, um, in two locations. So recently stepped my foot back into a commercial gym setting. Um, cause one's opened up five minutes away from me. So it's opened up to be able to kind of expand my business into multiple locations which is good without the stress of having to commute very far um so it's it's broadened the broadened the clientele at least where the locations yeah. are um what's it obviously more strength coaches will know mm-hmm. from experience but new coaches that want to get into the industry mm-hmm. they might not know that obviously we have to work and sort of study at the same time so it's not like you work or you study you kind mm. of have to how have you managed to find a good balance between both um making mistakes with it i guess kind of feeling burnt out through weeks of kind of not having it correct and not having the right systems in place so i before my degree i'd never invested much money into like uh organization systems and mm. um it was all through me so clients would contact me they'd book in i just use google calendar um whereas through first year you can kind of get away with it um because it's kind of just attend and submit stuff and you probably will pass um but the development into year two and year three where it starts to get a little bit more um Mm. um intense time management just became the one big factor so um it kind of forced my hand into um looking at smart investments i can make for the business and for university um such as like calendar systems booking systems um, and payment management system so I could automate as much as I possibly can without taking away you know some physical interaction because I think that's important and something that's uh people value within personal training is they can still talk to a person rather than yeah you know have to go on to someone's the, link book in and all that yeah the biggest thing with coaching as well is like obviously you've had um, general population type work Mm-hmm. So that connection with the person is one of the biggest things that any coach should look at, first of all. But when you're sort mm-hmm. of working for yourself and having to coach people that aren't there all the time, they're actually mm-hmm. physically going out to get it. I think that mm-hmm. makes it really important to sort of have all these systems in place so that you're ready to, to go. What are some of the systems that you do use? So I, the main one that I use and stuck with now um, is a, 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 a calendar company called Motion. Um, it's a it's an AI calendar system um, which has a booking uh, booking link process as well. So you can set up your own schedules. Um, so I've set up a uni schedule, set up a 
a JD gym schedule. I've set up a uh, uh, MT clinic schedule, which is the clinic I'm at. And then what that's allowed me to do is kind of have a few links on my WhatsApp description on my business WhatsApp and um, clients can click it, access the calendar they want, make a booking, reschedule the booking. Um, and uh, I've had it. So it makes then it can automate respond emails. So if they've uh, if they've never booked before, if I've set that person, if I've set the AI that that name is a recurring booking, then it won't do mm-hmm. this. But if it's someone booking for the very first time um, and a name it doesn't recognize, it will automatically um, send them the appropriate payment link that they need, um, which I just use PayPal because it has that integration process really nicely. Um, and then uh, uh, more recently with the programming, I use an app, um, Train Heroic. Um, which when I was over at UW, uh, they, uh, they, they mentioned that they used to use. So they used to mm-hmm. use Train Heroic before they started using um, Team Builder. Team Builder. Um, so, um, and uh, not many, not, like, I don't know how I got, because um, there's, there's so many, so many like PT coaching management systems now. Um, there's really only kind of like a few that are, like gold standard i guess and seen mm. across like multiple different massive division yeah, sports and whatnot um so i'm not sure how i um originally decided train heroic was the one that i was going to use i think i got a coach for myself and they used it and i liked it so i was like oh i'm going to look into this for my own work um because before that i was just using excel and google yeah. sheets and stuff and it, again it's it's fine it's functional it works and it's built up my skills doing using those you know using excel and google sheets but at the same time it's very uh time consuming so it's yeah train her own just makes it super easy you just build your exercise library go and get a camera film them upload it to youtube and then uh you've got yourself a nice um easy way of just kind of like building programs which is just super time efficient which is obviously key it's the heart of everything when you're running a degree in a business at the same time so obviously i know because i went through the same program but sort of take us through how you applied for the university of washington and how is that everything played out yeah i mean i didn't select university of washington so i use uh we used um uh we got a presentation i wasn't even a presentation we just got a couple slides sent to our university so the start of my third year our course lead in one of our kind of tutorial lectures which is just like a informative informative lecture on multiple different things at the start of third year we got a presentation that there was this international internship program with the iusca um and um they just described that you know there is a cost to it um here's the sign up process and i think the two program cards they gave us was ucla and uh, I forget where the other university was. Possibly, possibly Washington DC. Yeah, can't remember. But um, either way, it was just kind of like once I kind of had some interest in that's where I want to do over the summer. Because before then, I was all just me, and mm-hmm. it was me operating the the business and clients. I've never worked in a team setting like that, so I thought no. Well, best way to do it. Um, is to go over to a place where it's renowned for its sport availability and there's division one sports all over the place. And whilst that is the case here, if you're not doing soccer or football, um, yeah, it's you know it's it's not worthwhile really in the UK. 
Um, so I thought there's an opportunity there to go over and, you know, expose myself to a, a new, new um, industry that I've never really been part of, never really um, had, well, not necessarily had the opportunity, but never sought out the experience to go and do that in the UK. Um, and then, um, uh, yeah, I spoke to Andrew at the IUSCA, had the interview process, and then I think we were quite late to it. So like two weeks later, he sent me a uh, an offer for for UW's program. Um, yeah, and that's how it, that's how it came about. Um, I just looked at the program, looked at uh, Coach McKeithy and the the head coach, and looked at the staff and the looked at the location. And then I think two days later, I just said, yeah, that's that's good with me. I'm happy to go there. Yeah. And then upon looking at like where it was location wise, state of Washington, I was like, that's my kind of state anyway. You know, lakes, hikes, outdoor activities everywhere. So I was like, yeah, I mean, sounds like a, sounds like a good deal to me. Yeah. So what is it that sort of made you reach out to me and ask obviously about my experience there? <laughs> yeah. So I had, um, once I accepted my offer, uh, with the IUSEA, um, and uh, I think I made the first deposit. Um, uh, the uh, Andrew, who I mentioned earlier, he's um, he set up a coaching call or just like an introduction call to uh, to Coach McKeithy, and we just had a. I mean, obviously it was late for us. I think it was like eleven mm-hmm. eleven o'clock at night uh, with the time difference, but we just had like a forty five minute call, um, which at the time, you know, knowing how like busy and you know how much work that. <laughs> you know, Coach McKeithy has, I never really appreciated that 45 minutes as much as I do now. We're looking back, you know, that he gave us a good talk and talked about the program, just talked about how, um, how he likes to kind of see interns as an integral part of his program. Um, and, uh, and, uh, yeah, he mentioned that the previous coaches, because obviously that was, this was year two. Well, I was, I was mm-hmm. there for, for the second year of his, um, time as a head coach there. He talks about his first year uh, and the interns that came through, and the, one of the interns' names he mentioned was uh, was yours, um, and uh, he just said Coach Manny. And it, originally, the name kind of didn't ring a bell, or it didn't kind of like seek like seek you out, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But I remember it was it was at the time where they were, they had the uh, Alamo Bowl, yeah, and they won, and then you posted. Um, I think you must have posted a congratulations um and i saw him maybe repost your post and i thought oh, coach manny i recognize that name that's the coach that was there before so i thought it would be a good opportunity to reach out and get as much information about the program so i can kind of optimize my time there so i uh i spoke to you i think we had a we had a call before i went out um and uh you know he talked about how good you were how good of an example you you were um and how like we were following in that fo- those mm-hmm. footsteps of the expectations were set high, so um, you know no better way of kind of knowing what the program or what the expectations are about you know than actually speaking to someone that's done it already, um, rather than going in completely blind. Um, yeah. So uh, that's that's how kind of we came I've, about. I've sort of mentioned this. I don't think I've mentioned it in the podcast, but our call was supposed to be like a half hour call because I think we were both busy that day. But it turned out oh, yeah. to be like a two hour and a half <laughs> call. Oh yeah, I was just, just, just I was wandering around. I think I was I was at I was at work at the time. And I was just work, wandering yeah. around the staff room. Um, so there's people 
coming in and out constantly, but because um, I didn't think I'd need to be like sat down in a quiet space. So I thought it was just going to be a quick call. But yeah, we, we spoke for a lot. And I think we talked about, you know, we talked about the program, but we also talked about a lot of philosophies and mm. beliefs that we, we have. And we shared a lot of, um, we shared a lot of beliefs and yeah, common, common ground, right? Um, so we ended up talking about a few different things rather than just just the program which was nice yeah i think that's one of the things i liked about that call is we actually sat down and just spoke shop we just went through the mm. industry and what we felt what our space and what we want to achieve in that space means mm. to us and yeah. i think with that right mentality like what do you think is some things that coaches that want to coach internationally should keep in mind mm. before going out just uh kind of make sure you're ready for that kind of um, level. I mean, I can only, I've only done UWs, but I mean, we talked about other internship programs with other interns and the intensity that some of the other internships are. And then also some of the lack of intensity some mm. internships have. Sometimes you're just like not really in, integrated <clears throat> that much at all with the, with the flow of the program. Whereas if we take UWs as an example, we were like from, day one something that coach McKeefe said it's going to be like taking a drink through a fire hose on day one because you're going to be meeting all of the team you're going to be coaching like the guys on your rack immediately and we're going to be you know we're going to be firing out instructions that you're not really going to know what they are so just make sure that you're kind of switched on make sure you're aware of your surroundings so it's quite intense from like the word go fortunately I managed so if you know a little bit off off topic but we 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 got given some dates that were kind of slightly off from, it was kind of wider than what the actual program was. So I was out right. like two weeks, two weeks early. So I, I, I thought we were, we were starting on a date, but that date was a, apparently not the actual official start date. It was a, it was a, like five days later than that. But I actually decided to go out earlier than the original date, just so I could kind of get over the jet lag and get my bearings. So I'd been like in Seattle for like a week by that point and I, I spoke to coach cook who's our um internship uh, uh coordinator and you know again at the time didn't really know much about the program but he offered to give me and a few of the other interns that were out earlier a tour around like before we started so we actually got a good like little bit of a kind of uh mm -hmm. introduction to the location the kind of some of the players were knocking around but it was pretty it was like they were in a they were in a break at the time, so there wasn't many, but it kind of allowed us to kind of get a little bit used to the bearings. But for the, for those coaches that want to do an international internship, like I say, if we take UW as an example, just make sure you're you feel mature enough in your and mm. confident enough to to kind of feel a little bit uncomfortable. Because um, I consider myself quite a confident coach now, um, and I kind of search. So rather than just feeling uncomfortable frequently, I I have to search generally for mm -hmm. like a, you know, either maybe some reading that is against my bias or I have to go and maybe go into like a, a space, like a commercial gym that's surrounded by coaches that I don't see or I see a lot of issues with the way they operate. And that's, you know, that's uncomfortable. I have to kind of like be in those environments. Mm -hmm. Um, and like, like you dub, for example, being in that space, I've never been in a team setting before, like 
for someone that's been coaching quite a long time it's quite an intimidating and quite a hectic environment to be in so um yeah just making sure that individuals especially if you're a student um you know making sure you feel ready to kind of apply some of your learnings and your confidence to have conversations and your your confidence to just be like be a presence which you could argue is just a a people skill you know just Mm. (laughs) you know feel like you've developed your community you know feel like you've developed your communication skills enough to to the point where you feel able to be in a room with some hugely respected coaches like across the across in you know internationally and you know you know talk shop with them so you can make the most and ask them valuable questions and make the most of your time because otherwise you're kind of like just repeating orders which is fine yeah. like again it works well because the players then still see you as a a valuable member of the team but you've kind of got to be selfish you've paid money mm-hmm. to be there 100%. especially if you're international it's a lot of money you have to be getting some integral kind of information that's going to either you know increase your knowledge or you know improve your value you know how valuable you are to people um so you've got to feel like you're going to be getting something from it and it kind of feel like people self-limit themselves if they're yeah not confident enough to have those conversations and feel kind of like they have to um they're kind of uh what's that impossible to think about yeah yeah all right like um it's good to just get involved and ask the questions and you know 100 percent. i um, think when i use, was, uh, use the equipment yeah that's a big one as well um so when i was there we had a coach it was coach tony um and like after every session without a doubt i would like reach out to one of the coaches and just bombard them with questions about the session about like why we did a a certain exercise why we did a certain type of Mm warm-up um and it got to the point where i think coach tony just came up to me and was like what's your question today and I was like, I was kind of taken back because, like, obviously I had a question, but I was like, is it is it that predominant that I ask questions every single day? Um, mm-hmm. But like, a hundred percent asking questions and using all the equipments and figuring out different ways to use every piece of equipment is like the foundation mm-hmm. of how to develop as that strength and conditioning coach. Yeah, something that you said was that was yeah. quite interesting is making sure that you're feeling uncomfortable i think it's quite especially in this industry it's quite easy to just go into a gym and just be there and just mm-hmm. play your role in that gym but like how are mm-hmm. you going to make yourself stand out how are you going to get them to be like oh yeah money money does this or jack jack's really good at this mm-hmm. so i think like when i was when i went across there speaking of mentalities i was i I went in with the i've got five or six weeks however long the program ran for to make them remember who i am and i think for me it was just every day was a new chance to prove myself every day was a new way to be like how will i make them remember this that i did like uh you were you went out early i was mm-hmm. going to go out on the exact the, the night before it started but because of plane delays and all that stuff i ended up being a day late to the program so the first meeting that we had as a team coach mark was like 
Money, you weren't here yesterday. Introduce yourself. Let us know a little bit about yourself and what you want to achieve with the program. And I was like, my name is Money. I riled off my, my elevator pitch. And at the end, I was like, honestly, my goal here is to make your lives easier. And like mm-hmm. Coach Mark has his exit interviews. And like, that's one of the things that he said. He was like, you made it so that I could spend longer in my office and do the little tasks that I had to. And I was like, mm-hmm. to me, it kind of made me feel like he valued me for making sure that everything was done in time for him to be able to do whatever mm-hmm. else that he needed to. Mm-hmm. Um, so how was your exit interview? Yeah, it was good. I mean, I, mine was, I, was, I was still, you know, being like an international intern as well, right? So, like, you know, like, like you would have, like Coach, Coach McKeefe would have said, like, you know, if you played football, as a, you know, you know what it's like to step into a stadium where people hate you, right? And, like, you know what that kind of – the stakes are high, that kind of thing. Um, so when I was having my exit interview, I kind of, like – I knew I was – you know, I wasn't going in kind of expecting, oh, I kind of want to work at, you know, you know, in college in college football, you know, anywhere in the nation. So then it's not on his radar, right, to, like, be like, there's a place here, right? You could apply for it, right? So um, I think my kind of plan – and something that I'm sure he would have spoke to you about is, you know, about being like an entrepreneur, right? So having your own operations business and, you know, he's wrote books and all sorts. Books. So my kind of idea, you know, where I kind of wanted to be is, you know, I'm comfortable within that running my own business. So just developing on those key entrepreneurial skills. Um, so we talked a lot around like the, the, future of personal training and you know how to how to maybe stand out and develop and you know directions to go in and uh, other revenue streams that can be created such as podcasts books um you know speakers and he did uh, we talked a lot around um having some form of international partnership with with other interns where you know we bring internet you know we bring international speakers over and then we take mm-hmm. you know we we host them and then vice versa we send international speakers over and the partner intern or the partner um uh partner um in the business would again mm-hmm. host them and then we'd kind of make that connection bridge that gap um so yeah we talked a lot around that and um yeah, we talked about the intensity and just how, just how it was an overall um, incredible program to be a part of. Um, yeah, hundred percent. With, so, with the network development and all that sort of stuff, it was it was awesome. I mean, we we had so many um, just little guest visits here and there of just mm-hmm. people that were just kind of popping in to see Coach Matt, and he, you know, we'd have the opportunity to kind of just listen to them for like five or twenty minutes, or some of them ran little workshops. Um, and these weren't planned. These weren't things that were on the curriculum, mm-hmm. you know, for us to do. But that opportunity arose. And then, you know, he talks about networking and how how it's just so important to, to maintain that strong network. Um, and it showed, you know, it showed whilst we were there. Uh, we're back. We had a little bit of technical difficulties, but now we're back. Um, we were just talking about sort of the differences between 
for the private sector, public sector of SSC to then being in a, a collegiate type setting, what are some of the differences mm. that you found? Uh, the, the volume of um, moving parts, you know, there's just so many moving parts to take into consideration when you're working in a, a private space with, you know, one or two people. Um, you've got way less logistics to think about. You can kind of set up what you want. You can pre-plan the exercises that you want. Uh, I mean, of course, these, you know, if we, at the college level, they, they're following a program, right? So everyone's kind of routine. But you've still got five, you know, five people on your station that you've got to take through a workout, you know, with, you know, 50 other guys that are in the gym. Mm -hmm. And, the, you know, there's certain equipment that they haven't got, you know, the full 50. So you've got to rotate and make sure you're, observant of what other you know what other people are doing to make sure your guys don't lose that flow and the workout runs nicely um while still getting it done within a time frame because often they you know they, they're on a pretty tight schedule right so um mm -hmm. yeah there's just a lot of more volume of moving parts making sure there's not equipment around that they can trip on and it's just useless you know get it out of the way making sure you're observant of like maybe the station next to you. Cause again, my life, my, my goal is to, I, I, I kind of said to people before I went out, my goal was to be a, a useful sponge. So I wanted mm -hmm. to sponge up as much information as possible, but I also wanted to be useful. So um, making sure that the rack next to me was also, if they spot, if there was something there that hadn't been, hadn't been sorted, then it'd make their life easier. If I, you know, if I'd noticed it, not to leave it just to go and help out. So again, making sure that, you know, the, the area around me um, was as best as possible um, managed um, while still maintaining all of those moving parts and making sure that, you know, my guys weren't going through a different session or a different flow to everyone else because I'd been not concentrating and focused on something else. So it's kind yeah. of having your, you know, fingers in lots of different pies at once. Um while still maintaining this rhythm that the rooms rooms kind of rotating through um and that's the that's the biggest thing with anyways at UW is that everyone it was like organized chaos but it was all circuits so everyone had like a, mm -hmm. a right direction of going um mm -hmm. what was like the easiest way that you found the managing so I you would have had four people each rack you'd have had two rats mm -hmm. And then everything else that came with the internship. How did you sort of go mm -hmm. around and manage everything that you had to take care of? So I think during the lifting sessions, uh, the easiest thing for me was to I just took um, where I made sure I had a printout of the session. Um, of course, it was up on the screens as well, so it was mainly for my kind of visual organisation. And then I'd write before the lift I'd write everyone's kind of first initials I mean obviously you're with the same guys quite frequently mm -hmm. um so I'd like you know if the name is Kieran I'd write K or C depending on how it's spelled so I knew that then that person all the way through the lift I'd write K underneath each exercise and I made sure that 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 the rap then their you know the player's job was to do the lift but then also once they'd finished their sets and reps come and tell me that you've done it so I can cross you off and I can assign you something else that's so either mm -hmm. someone's not started yet, um, you know, something that is free and available, maybe something off the back end. So um, I don't know if you've talked about this in, uh, you know, other podcasts, but um, 
generally it's like a tier, it's a tier system. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. sure that might must have been the same, right? So there's like four or five circuits. Um, they, there's tier A, you know, up to tier E. Um, so one one thing that Coach Coach McKeithy said in one of our um, like pre-day meetings, in ga- you know, when we gather up in the morning, is he talks about you know start chipping away at the back end of the the lift. So kind of you've got mm-hmm. the start and the end, and then it's just getting closer and closer. So um, you know, just having like a sheet where I tick things off, just having like a, a list, something that was scruffy and that was mine. I didn't have to worry about other people understanding it as long as I understood it. And I just yeah. tick and cross. And once everyone had done the lift, done that exercise, big cross through it, right? Squats are done. You know, push-ups are done. Everything's done that. So tier A is complete. We should be now finishing on, you know, X, Y, and Z on tier E and starting to move on to the next big lift. Um, so that that was one thing that helped me with kind of the flow. And then I could focus mm-hmm. more on the safety, the equipment, the organization of um, uh, the iPads, making sure the players are set up on those, making sure the exercise and the velocities are all ticked off and ready to go. Cause that's, you know, that's the admin style stuff that makes a big difference. If you've done it wrong, then mm-hmm. when it gets uploaded to team builder, um, you know, there could be an anomaly or a mistake that just because you were so focused on the flow of the lift, like, I think one thing that I kind of started to develop was the players knew a lot already. Um, mm-hmm. You know, some of them would ask questions, but most of them knew where to look and they didn't, they wouldn't have to ask a lot of questions. So that was really useful as well. You know, the staff have done an amazing job of building these athletes up to, you know, a good level of, you know, standard um, to where, you know they, they're they're lifting and they're happy to kind of just mm-hmm. be instructed on where to go and they wouldn't have to kind of ask me how many sets are there are how many reps they need to do because it's up on the screens you know they can they can see it um so again it allowed me to kind of be more time efficient and more efficient with my space like let's move that because that's not in use anymore and yeah. it's a trip hazard or let's move that plate because it's not in use anymore and someone could trip on it um so that that was kind of one thing that kind of helped yeah. helped me was just having a tick sheet tick sheet the interesting thing about the tier system that he uses as well is every tier is like 15 minutes mm-hmm. and that's down to 50 minutes in a quarter of mm-hmm. a football game every exercise should take at least 15 seconds to go through every mm-hmm. so there's four tiers so that's four quarters and he always allows an extra one for overtime. So like mm-hmm. when I saw that and I connected the dots, asked I asked him about it and he was like, Yeah. So we make sure that they're as well getting their conditioning because everything's quad sets or tri sets and they sort of just go one after the other. Um mm-hmm. so for me that was quite an interesting thing about the tier system and it's something that I've sort of started implementing with my athletes. Like I try mm-hmm. and meet their conditioning requirements within their program. Mm-hmm. And I just, again, it's that flow thing. It's easier to flow through something when you can already rationalize it to the athlete. Oh, we're doing this because of this. Mm-hmm. And they're like, sweet. And it's 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 what you said. Like as soon as you have that those systems in place, the athletes sort of, they're able to, 
take a bit more responsibility of what they do when they do it. Mm-hmm. And so I thought for, I think what's what what's good about the the how included you are in the program to how much the interns are kind of like assigned to do, which is good. Is if like if you were to just give that sheet, that tier system sheet to like a random person to go and complete in the gym, like it would get done. But if you then watched how you dubbed it and how the interns are, they, they generally pick up on how, you know, the intensity that they want to flow at, um, it, it's, it would be completely different. So like someone just, if you took that sheet into a gym and just said right here, complete the session, mm-hmm. I mean, they'd do the squats and then take maybe a minute and a half and then do the push-ups and then another minute and a half. And then, so the intensity just wouldn't be there, but if you apply, you know, if you, what, what the staff again had done really well is straight away, we were kind of made aware of how fast paced the, the mm-hmm. you know, that system moves. And it has to be because you've only got, you know, 50, 50, 50 minutes to an hour to do the lift, to complete the lift before they've got like a run or something like that. And yeah. you want to get them all the way through the lift. Um, you know, it's, it's just like, like 16 exercises, right? Mm-hmm. It's a lot, it's a lot of volume to get in. So, the intensity is in part, in, in, you know, an important part um, of how that how that session flows. Hundred um, percent. What was your favorite parts about being up there? Um, I think socially um, was the, the the location itself. I mean, Seattle's beautiful. Um, it's surrounded by really nice places to go and visit. We were lucky enough to have your previous guest, Natalie who's a local mm-hmm. um, who was able to kind of show us some good local spots and some good hikes locally uh, and also have people that drove, right. It's, you know, That's you want to get out of the city <laughs> a little bit, right. You want to get out and you, you know, if you're doing an international internship, you, you know, at the end of the day, you're, you're in a place which you might not ever get the chance to go to again. So you want to make the most of that and, you know, in your, in your time there actually explore as much as possible. Um, so I think socially was just the location and the other interns, we gelled well. So we were able to mm. kind of go and do stuff in, you know, and, and just enjoy our time out on the lake or on a hike. Um, I think from a career perspective is to um, see the value of networking. It's, you know, like yeah. uh, I'd always kind of had that sense. So I'd always try and make every interaction, you know, something valuable, either I'm trying to be valuable to someone or I'm trying to make someone valuable to me. So there's a, or we're trying to be valuable to each other. So there's some form of every interaction, especially, you know, not all the time, but in, in like life, uh, but yeah, especially through like, if I'm having like a, someone that's another coach or a trainer, or like I go in with the intentions to kind of, you know, this could be someone that could be someone. Right. So, um, um, and then one day, hopefully they, you know, I'd like to think that it would be the reverse, right? I could be someone that could be someone. So I want to make sure I know people so I can then, mm-hmm. if I'm ever in a position to do so, I can kind of be like, oh, yeah, I know someone that's really good at that. But, yeah. Um, okay. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So what you've pre- previously touched upon, like the PTs and how that system works, what's some of the things mm-hmm. that you watch that you're like, something needs to, to happen here? Oh yeah, like we. I think we've spoke about certain things before. Like again, some of the some of the stuff that happens 
it just shouldn't be shouldn't be happening. If it was in any other industry that was more watched or more regulated, you know, if you took like someone in like a, a doctor or if you took someone in a you know someone in healthcare, if, you know, if they make a big mistake, people know about it, right? There's an investigation mm-hmm. and there's a you know there's people that are made aware so they can do the appropriate thing and assess whether that was a mistake and you know. You know, whether it was something unavoidable or whether it was something that was just lack of knowledge and it but there's a purpose behind that because then it can get you can you know it can get fixed so that you know if let's say someone make, makes a mistake and then they find out where their education was from they can then contact the educators and say right you need to include this in your program because someone's made a mistake and they didn't know they made a mistake and it was a mistake and someone got hurt right but in a gym setting people get hurt or people trainers put clients at risk all the time i put clients at risk all the time because whenever you set foot in a gym there is a risk dependent on the standard of your um i want to say qualifications but i think that's part of the problem yeah, um the ability you're kind to of go through it. it's almost yeah it's almost your ability to kind of take education take common sense and then build kind of like a standard right um because there is an element of you have to understand that when you're training a client, there is a risk. You mitigate that risk by just being sensible and being aware of that. Mm. And it's kind of like some people have it. Some people are aware of that. And then there's some trainers that come through. And again, we could go into a massive rabbit hole here. Of maybe why, you know, it could be education. It could be standards. It could be regulating governing, uh, regulating governing bodies. It could, it could be the individual themselves. It could be insurers, but again, it kind of does down to what I believe is like the lack of ability to kind of accept that there's a risk. Mm-hmm. So you just go crazy with people when and whenever you're working with an individual, there has to be individual approach because mm-hmm. everyone's different. We know that I've never known science to be as good as what it is now right like it's always getting better arguably there's always bad research being done as well but Mm -hmm. that has to happen in order for there to be good research right so you know there's so much out there now that show that if you're going to work with someone individual programs work best you have to individualize it and there's just so much lack of that now right so much lack there's just a lack of that within the industry so see a lot of risks like um like people pushing people to limits like take the athletes at UW right they are pushing hard all the time but these are division one young athletes they can you know you know they 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 are aware of kind of like the mm-hmm. amount that they can push I think the I noticed that as well it's like they've got the nutrition side they've got all the physical trainers like they've got ah, a whole program yeah. that allows them and I think that's yeah. the key here is like making sure you do everything every step that allows you to push mm-hmm. as hard. Because like if it's like a, yeah. a car and petrol, if you don't put enough petrol in the car and say you travel the world, if you're not if you're only putting petrol once, you're going that's it. Like you've only got yeah. that one tank. But given mm-hmm. the proper nutrition, given the proper sort of methods to train, I think that's what some people don't realize because mm-hmm. like energy systems is a tricky thing to understand so it goes back to the education phase mm-hmm. and that it's yeah just... yeah like uh like some some people that have the ability to coach people like 
don't really understand process. Like, oh, you've had a bad day, you're stressed. All right, let's go for a max effort today. Yeah. Like, nah, <laughs> like this person's a 34 year old gen pop person that just wants to lose a bit of weight. They don't care. You know, they don't need this level of intensity that you're kind of, that you're, that you're kind of wanting out of them to demonstrate because there's almost this, like, there's almost this, um, you know, and this is, you know, I see this more in the commercial gyms. This, This is more like, uh, if people see PTs pushing, like they're at, you know, their clients to the limit and they're sweating and they're red. It's almost seen as a triumph. Um, mm. So again, another problem that I see, you know, not only is it the individual coach's responsibility to make sure that they're aware and safe and educated and they stay on top of their continued professional development and all that sort of stuff, which is super important. It's also needs to be made aware to the actual public of what good coaching and good training actually is. And that's the way the regulating governing bodies come in, right? That's where they come in and they can they can be the, the, the mediator within the middle, kind of, right, you're a client, you're this, here's the trainers, they're all passed off, like, as far as we can see, they've done the right things and they're the right people. But the people that, act, you know, I won't name companies, right, but they the people that need to know about those companies don't know about those companies. They have yeah. no idea who, who they are. And that's the purpose is that individual people can go onto this website and go onto these companies, search trainers in the area that have, you know, X special, you know, spe- specialist areas in this and this and this. And then it spits out, you know, trainers that have come through their program mm-hmm. that are qualified within their eyes. Now, without that middle person, without that middle company mediating the, the process, the public are just blind to it. They just don't know what good and what bad is until it goes wrong. Mm-hmm. And it, unfortunately, yeah. we're in a situation now where it has to go wrong in order for there to be some good that comes out of it. Unless they, you know, they get with, you know, a good coach from the very word go, often they have to have a bad experience to kind of know it was a bad experience. Um, until then, they just there's just no there's no knowledge to the to the gen pop um yeah. people um yeah so which, which again just leads to leads to issues a lot of the time yeah we've previously spoke about this and i sometimes go on massive rants on social media mm-hmm. about it but the state of which these industries that aren't being upheld and to a certain standard now Everyone in this industry has passed some qualification, which, mm-hmm. okay, that's that's fine. But how can you implement that into your programs? Because like there's there's mm-hmm. coaches and there's specifically personal trainers that do their weekend course, and that's all they've done. Mm-hmm. And then social media is their 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 resources. Now, mm-hmm. that's fine. To a certain extent, but then again, it goes back to that common sense thing. Like, does making your client do burpees straight into split squats, straight into mm. deadlift, does that make sense? Like, mm-hmm. what yeah. is why would that person do that on a day to day, never mind in that gym environment? 
Mm. And I think... Yeah, like, what what does it mean to that one individual, right? Yeah, which I think is... Does... This industry sort of forgot about is, like, we need to give them functionality for their lives. Mm. Like, if, if I've got an elderly lady, I'm mostly going to be working on their shoulder strength. They'll have mm. to pick up things in shelves. I'm going to help them carry weight, shopping bags, I'll farmer's walk, dumbbells, farmer's walk, mm. let's go. Course stability, a big thing with aging population is their mobility and stability goals. So let's build that into the program. I'm not going to get mm. them to do burpees and kick-throughs all at once. That means nothing to them. So for for me and you that spoke about it is like, what what is the standard that the industry should be going by and what qualifications get you there? And I think that's the, the problem area that we're finding is there's mm. not, after you're done, you're done. Like you don't have to keep up mm-hmm. with anything. You don't have, like, if it was like an ideal situation, what would you recommend like coaches do or personal mm. trainers do? Um, go and do another course. Like you'll be surprised on like how different things operate. Like if I look back on my personal training course way back when, like it was rubbish. Like it, it did not prepare me for the industry at all, right? But then I've known, I've, I've done other personal, or I've been a part of other personal training courses that have been amazing. They've taught you how to run a business. They've taught you how to, because like, don't, don't forget if you, once you qualify, if you're quite like young and you're actually eager to be a trainer, then, you know, and you're thrown into a commercial gym, all of a sudden you've got to run a business, understand how to take payments, understand how to do consultations and all sorts. Right. So and then you kind of get lost in, you forget why, you know, you forget about you doing courses and one like that, right? You you forget about it because you're too busy trying to develop yourself. But it's so important to make sure you, you like, maintain the ability, you know, go and do, a, go and do another course, go and do a business course, go and do, um, go and do a, um, a course in how to have conversations and how, you know, all these like, all these courses that you can you can go on to that are just going to develop you understand kind of like professionalism mm-hmm. um and also you're investing money whereas like you're not just taking money right you're, you're doing you're taking the money you get in and investing it to increase your value and i think that speaks yeah. volumes when you um when you like you'd be surprised as you go into commercial gyms and you, you could just ask a trainer when was the last time you did a course? Like they probably okay. won't have done a course since they qualified, right? Um, and again, like it doesn't need to be re- like a hundred percent relevant just because you're a trainer. It doesn't need to be a a postural analysis course. It doesn't need to be because often those courses are quack anyway, right? Like usually they're a, a gimmicky thing. Like it's it's a nice idea, but it, it usually it's usually developed from like a, a trend. Like mm-hmm. postural analysis is you know is a big one it's a big it's a big trend and whilst it is valuable to potentially some it often makes you quite blinded to um just the basic the other side right yeah. keeping it basic so 
like it doesn't have to be relevant it can just be a people development skill you could be yeah. going to yeah like i say going to a you know like a talk communications course you could be going to a, a business course um it's just something that's like you've taken your passion you've started earning from it which is great but now just like any other business invest something back because then you're going to start to value yourself and start to mm -hmm. operate like an actual business which needs client satisfaction you need to be able to achieving you know achieving the goals of people but you're yeah. also still operating as a as a business you're taking income taking some for you know obviously you want to enjoy yourself and have money to go and do things but then you know reinvest a portion of it into the business to develop and grow um, mm -hmm. and the clients that know like know something about something you know that that's how they you know they see that and they'll see that you've gone right what do my clients need they might need a piece of equipment or they might need more um, nutritional support so I'm going to take my money that I've taken you know that I've invested uh, sorry that I've obtained through business operations and I'm going to invest in a nutrition course because that's going to increase value of three mm -hmm. or four, five, six clients, whatever it might be, and any future clients you might get. But um, it's it's that it's that investing money in your future. I always think that mm -hmm. if it makes sense to invest to add value to something else, it's without that it's just go for it because you add that mm -hmm. value. And I think that's why. I sort of connected really well with Coach Mark is because he's always looking at the bigger picture. Like, how mm -hmm. can I make this small investment at the time, which I might struggle with, but how can that serve me down the line or up here? Mm -hmm. That's exactly what you're saying. It's like looking at these opportunities to take further courses. I've done business courses. The business side of things is it's 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 a different ball game to me, but I did it just so I can be like, if I'm running my own business, I need to know X, Y, and Z. Yes, there's mm -hmm. people for it, but I like to know it for myself as well. But I've, I've, I've got a question on some things that you've said is like, how do you then build that buy-in and build that relationship with your clients to make them aware that, okay, yes, he's actually, in this for me mm -hmm. well just be transparent with them like that it's important to bring the personal into personal training right you, you are a person um mm. they're not they are investing in a business for sure right but they're also it you know they're interested in you or they're in you know they've been referred to you so it's important to at the start kind of talk to them about right uh, let's say we're talking about costs you know your training session costs 45 pounds right um, you know, after a while, you can then talk to them about, well, you know that, you know, when you, you, you invest X amount, I'm going to buy you or I'm going to invest in, you know, you having a heart rate monitor. And the reason why I want you to do that is because your goal is to get fitter. Mm -hmm. You currently don't have any way of tracking your heart rate. So it's important that you, you have that. Now, my, my job is to provide you a service and to provide you with the service that's going to obtain you your goal. So if your goal is to do a half marathon, right? You, you, we, we want to be tracking heart rate in some way, shape or form. And you develop that knowledge through, again, and, you know, 
I didn't learn that when I was in my personal mm-hmm. training course, but I've learned that through experience and then through doing further development that, you know, heart rate and, uh, you know, lots of other things can be, you know, are used for, for levels of fitness. I want to be able to track that as a coach. So I'm going to take your, take the payments that you're investing in and, you know, it goes into a pool and I'm going to invest in a heart rate monitor for you because that's going to help you with your goal. And that's, that then shows that you don't, you're, you're not just taking, 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 you're, you're, you're genuinely, you're not, uh, what's the word for it? You're, um, you're, you're helping them out monetarily, like monetarily, right? Monetarily. Because, yeah, because you, you value their target more than you do yeah. the money, right? So you've taken the money that they're investing and as easy as it would be to just kind of take and be like, right, you need to now go and buy a heart rate monitor. Like you don't invest in Netflix and then get charged to watch a movie. Yeah. Right. You're paying for a service because you know you're going to get the movies as part of that service. So if I'm then able to kind of like be in a position where I can take their investments and be smart when they pay me, I'm smart. I put money away. I can then, when they're ready and they've built up and I, I know that they're going to be loyal and it's almost that trust. And that kind of comes with instinct, I guess. Um, you then make the, you know, financial investment to go, right, here's a heart rate monitor because mm-hmm. and we're going to start doing X, Y, and Z with it. And then they're like, oh my God, that's, you know, that, that's super rare that you get that. But I think that's the future of the industry is that you, 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 you're, you're, you're providing the service you're not just providing training it's about mm-hmm. it's more than that it can be more than that um you might invest in them to go onto a course because education is a huge thing now right you know clients athletes just as much as coaches it's about knowing so then if you're ever in a situation where you have to do it you know the processes mm-hmm. you know well enough to do that to to, to do it as well so, um, you know, investing in clients to go on a course, maybe a nutrition, not necessarily a nutrition course course, but maybe like a, there might be like a fun little interactive course on uh, cooking, right? Yeah. Or something like that. Just something that kind of brings and builds their knowledge base and shows that you're interested in their development more than you're interested in just taking their money. It's about developing mm-hmm. them as a, as an individual. So that that's something that, I think future coaches. It don't again at the start. It's super hard to do that because yep. you, you you know you, you might need the money for bills and all sorts. But once you get to a point where you've got a good few, you know, clients rolling through, you know, seeing yourself as a operating business, and then all you have to do is look up, you know, how businesses work. They get, you know, income in, lump sum goes towards you know building up a money pot to pay your taxes and all those other business outgoings that are going to crop up at some point that you need to be prepared for. But then also they take a lump sum and they put it in a little investment pot. And then once that investment Mm -hmm. pot reaches a certain amount, you're ready to help clients out or you're ready to help everyone out by investing in a piece of equipment or investing in a course for yourself. Um, Yeah. yeah. I've obviously got you on social, so I'm slightly aware of what you use and what you do, but, can you just give us a little rundown of things that you have invested in and that you would mm-hmm. rec- sorry, recommend investing in or maybe 
from sort of your experience not mm-hmm. investing in? Yeah, so I, um, I mean, one of my, let's say my biggest investments was in the business coach who actually turned out to be the best and worst thing that I've invested in because the, the one thing it's made me do is to make me be critical of investments because it was, it was the first big lump sum that I'd invested into some at the moment, at the time it was a service. So it wasn't an actual uh, tangible product, but um, like it, it was up into the thousands for this investment and uh, for a business coach and they turned out to be fairly worthless to me, right? They, uh, they had a script. It, it dials back to, again, some of the issues in this industry are occurring mm-hmm. in other industries too, right? So there was just no individualization. There was no care. Um, but there was a very good sales pitch that made me think that I needed it. Um, and it turned out to be, a like I say, a really bad investment financially, but a really good investment mm-hmm. for me as a person because it allowed me to kind of be like, right, well, now I need to make sure that if I'm going to invest in things, I need to be more, I need to investigate, you know, harder. Mm. I need to make sure it's something that's worthwhile. So, um, you know, uh, as a tangible product, I use like testing equipment, right? So I use, um, I started to get more athletes in naturally. I started to pick up more athletes um, and I needed a way of testing them. So I needed like say heart rate monitors. I needed a blood lactate kit. I needed uh, actual physical strength tests equipment like isometric strength gauges i needed something to track velocity so piece by piece i started to build up my testing equipment so then i was able to then bring an athlete in and test them as as good as you know like if they were in a team setting um also invest in software on my laptop so and Mm -hmm. and and you know invest in a laptop for example right like to be able to efficiently operate the data and send it out to them in a nice, efficient way. Um, invest in you know, camera to be able to take videos and take content. Um, you know, even something like investing in a, you know, a car, for example, right? You invest in a car, obviously you, you want it as an individual, but mm-hmm. you know, it, it's now, you know, I see it as a, an investment because I can now see people at their houses and I can travel. Um, so it opens the doors to be able to be in a wider area of just than where I am. Um, so yeah, it's like, um, there's a handful of good ones. There's just a handful of bad ones, you know, like courses again, like early on, very naive to kind of like think, Oh, this is an awesome course. Um, and then thinking back on it now, it's just like, I never, I never used that information ever. And I'm never probably going to, um, it I suppose like it's a, like uh, <clears throat> learning what not to do. Yeah, right. Like you got to make mistakes. It's just like anything. You got to make. You almost got got to like invest in bad things sometimes to know that there's good things that come out of it. Like, and the good thing is that there's always a lesson, right? There's always a yeah. there's always something to take from it. You know, if you invest in a bad course, again, you chances are you're not going to invest in many more before you start investing in good courses because uh, you're going to learn. Like what what makes for. a good course or what makes a bad course? You're going to start to build up your knowledge on what makes it good and what makes it bad or, or what makes it um, not necessarily bad or good. So I've definitely been on some courses that um, I knew was going to be a challenge, like challenging my bias. But then at, at the same time that it wasn't 
a bad course. It wasn't a wrong course. It was just something that was against something I'd learned elsewhere. Mm. So by doing that other course, it allowed me to kind of like be in the middle. Because um, that's I mean, that's just the hard thing. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Change my decision making, but it also makes um, uh, it also makes the individual experience in the middle. Because again, it brings it back to the individual client. Like there is no right and wrong for that client at the time. You know, there is what's right for them. So they need to be in the middle. So the best thing yeah. you can do is, you know, build a donut around them and they're in the middle. Like you are, you've done a course on this and you've done a course on this and you've done a course on this. So you can now start to take that individual and be like, oh, do you know what, actually, I'm going to pull that, you know, course on, um, I don't know, maybe queuing, right? Mm. Or you might have not, you might, or, and, you know, loads of things. I might pull up on that course that I did on, um, yeah, like nutrition and protein and carbohydrates and basic nutrition understanding because this person has no nutrition understanding and I need to be able to simplify complex processes of physiology yeah. into something simple. So I'm going to use that basic nutrition course that I did three, four, five, six years ago, whatever, so I can be a valuable person, valuable coach to this individual. So I think that's an important process is to realize that your clients in the middle or your athletes in the middle and you need to be skilled all around them. And you mm. might only be, they might only need one thing, but at least if they were someone else, you've got other things ready to yeah. help them. It's sort of like having buckets and you're kind of just dipping in and filling them each at a time and mm. depending on what your athlete needs or your client needs. Mm -hmm. What's some of the things that you've taken across from like sorry your your investment at UW to what you're doing just now um certainly lo like logistics uh such as like organization so realizing that I was probably spending like let's take a client session I you know I'd set them up on trap by deadlifts um with a couple of other exercises in the circuit but then rather than have the next kind of equipment ready to go, I'd probably take time, you know, I, well, not take time, but I'd, I'd deload the bar, I'd put the bar mm -hmm. away, and then we'd move on to the next circuit rather than just kind of like, right, the next stuff's ready to go, you're going to go into this, you're going to go into this. So it's just building up the logistics to make sure time management's kind of key. Um, so making sure that the sessions actually kind of like flow, the equipment's ready, they're available. It's not just something that's like, conflicting mm -hmm. so we're not going to go from like here to like somewhere else in the gym to like somewhere else in the gym like all right where's the place that's going to work this session's going to operate best and then i'm going to bring mm -hmm. the equipment over make sure that there's a nice flow to everything so it's like the logistics um yeah like for sure something that i've implemented in because you because yeah. you've done it it's such a high you know a high paced environment it kind of doesn't feel like that in, it doesn't feel as intense when you, you're just with one person, but you're still applying the same processes. There's just, like I said earlier, there's just a lot less um, external moving parts that's like mm -hmm. ar around you. You can kind of operate nicely. Um, yeah. So how how does that sort of system work in a public gym setting where obviously there's different, yeah, like unmeasurable outcomes? Yeah. Again, like it's it's um 
it's just about being as prepared as you can be. So, if, I mean, if you can obviously avoid the obvious one, which is, you know, if you don't want a busy gym, don't go in the evenings. Don't like I go back to the scheduling app that I use. I don't even have sessions available in the evening. Um, so past like five o'clock, I'm like no sessions, mainly because I want the logistics to run well. Mm. And my, my service works best if I can see you at appropriate times when I can predict where the, where the gym's going to be and what equipment's going to be available. But so you can you can just avoid being, you know, getting too uh, lost in a chaos environment and uh, just pre-planning. So making sure you arrive early, you know, you don't arrive if your session's mm. at five, don't arrive at five, arrive at quarter five, get stuff ready. So then the client walks in. You can you ha- you don't have to worry about getting them straight in. You might want to have a bit of a chat. You know, we go back to, mm. you know, one thing that's like really valuable is finding out how their day was, finding out if they're feeling okay. Are you sore? Um, like what's, you know, you're just asking these general questions, but in the background as a as a coach, you're filtering that through into like adaptations and changes that you might want to make because that person might have had a really bad sleep or they might be really dehydrated. The, you know, they might be feeling really hot and kind of, you know, it might be really humid that day, right? So, mm. like, it's worthwhile getting in 15 minutes early because you can check the environment. Like, the gym might be, like, one of the, you know, the gyms I work at, we had air con issues, like, the other week when it was really hot. Right. So, again, sessions had to slightly change because the environment was slightly wrong, but I wouldn't have known that if I didn't go in 10 minutes early, 15 minutes early. So I was able to at least best prepare. I was able to go, right, well, it's really hot today. So I'm actually not going to go through that kind of conditioning session as planned. We're going to go through something different. So make sure it's as progressive as possible. Um, Rather than like reacting, I'm kind of being Mm -hmm. proactive as best as possible. So that's one real easy way of just making sure that you are. And then also that, that leads into like one, again, one of the big issues is, brings into like some of the trainers making mistakes is you know it's almost advocated that you've got back to back bookings for like five mm-hmm. hours at a time you know amazing that that pt is busy there is no way that that first person is receiving the same quality of service as the last person because you've not scheduled a break to set up mm-hmm. their session so the chances are you're going to fall into the trap of person a person b person c person d person e using very similar bits of kit and following a very similar session which, of course, again, isn't the worst thing in the world if the person just wants to get, you know, a bit stronger or a little bit fitter. Mm-hmm. But, like, logistically, that's five individuals receiving one product, which devalues your service. So, again, the, if the people knew that, what was going on, they probably wouldn't feel comfortable paying premium prices yeah. for it because you're just receiving it's... the same process as someone else. Yeah, it goes back to that individuality of, program building mm-hmm. i saw this uh, i think it was a like a reel on tiktok and it was like a coach just like mm-hmm. swiping paper throughs and stamping at the same time being like mm-hmm. that's what programs are people just see as like this mm-hmm. program works on this let's apply it to everyone but then mm-hmm. it's that restrictions what restrictions does your client have what can they do what can they not do mm-hmm. and then it's just a rabbit hole again Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, um, what? It's like sorry. a sorry, like a like a, like a client would ask. It's a common question I get is always like, "How long are the sessions?" Um, mm. And like, I think the last thing you should say is, "It's an hour," because 
that way you're kind of capping the time right unless you've got a place to be right so so but if they're if it's freely operational just if it's just me i'll say i've scheduled 45 minutes to an hour and 15 minutes so then if you're feeling like if, if you're in like external internal like loading is you're, you're super fatigued your rpe is super high and we're 45 minutes in to this conditioning set because of let's say it's it's a bit hotter that day or like I say you've not slept very well then we can finish there like I've scheduled that time but I've also not scheduled a client to start at like in an hour so then mm-hmm. if you want to go if we if we can go if I've scheduled for the session to be a little bit longer like we can go a little bit longer if you want to have a chat with me afterwards about something if you want to ask questions I don't want people to feel like they have to like cut their you know maybe a valuable conversation short because I've got a a client stood mm. there waiting so i'll always again logistically make sure people have the time allocated to them that means that they can feel comfortable and less pressured to kind of ask what they want and um i have the flexibility to kind of do different duration and different different session targets for that day um just because i've allocated the time um, yeah no i think that's a really important thing is it that's something that I've learned from my time at UW as well. Is like, I'll go in half hour before a session starts. I'll set up all the equipment, and then I'll just go through the program again, because like I want to be able to recall that program. So, they're they're in a tricep. What's the three exercises in that tricep? Rattle them off, and then what's the next? What's the next? So like that way. We, like like what you said, we have that flow between each session. There's, mm-hmm. it's just a nice straight path. There's no, oh let me check if this piece of equipment's available. Everything's already there and it's ready to go. Mm-hmm. Um, so, in in that sense, what's some like advice that you'd give new coaches or coaches coming into this industry? Um. Don't if it's personal. So I'll go off personal training. Um, it's, it's something I, I, especially in the commercial setting, I speak to a lot of new trainers because it's constant turnover uh, of trainers. Is um, try and focus on learning a lot at the start rather than earning a lot at the start, because you're not going to earn a lot, because that's just not how things operate. You don't have clients just coming to you all the time, um, you know, wanting personal training. It's not glamorous in that way. You have to work to get clients and you have to mm-hmm. be present and build a business. So, but if you focus on learning a lot in your first year as a trainer, you'll, you'll, in your second year, you'll start putting the burners on and starting, your business will really start to accelerate once you start to apply the lessons you've learned. So, um, like you might pick up like a couple in your first year and that's great. You know, it's building your character and it's building your ability to apply a service. But you're also learning, you know, how to take payments and, you know, you're learning systems that work, systems that don't work, um, how, you know, how many sessions you can cope with in a day, you know, without feeling burnt out and how much, you know, what are your days off? You're starting to build a really nice little schedule. Um, And it's really easy at the start to kind of get, you know, down about it Mm. because you're not earning that much. So also be prepared that, you know, Probably, you're probably not going to earn that much, so make sure you're financially able to cope with that. I was fortunate because I was only 16, 17. I was still living at home, 
I didn't really have much financial outgoing, so there wasn't that pressure to kind of be earning a certain amount. So I was able to kind of spend my first year, like just learning the ropes. Um, mm-hmm. But if you're not, then just make sure you're prepared for prepared for that. Um, and uh, yeah, just try and think of everything as a lesson every day, every conversation, every interaction. You know, how could I have improved that interaction? How could I have, um, you know, how could I have maybe done that consultation better how could i have sold that conversation better uh, that, mm. that consultation better um so there, those are personal training ones as a as an snc coach um be prepared to feel like a bit of like a a lost part at the start because i mean it, it definitely felt like it in the us um that this is a lot more serious out there snc coach has a has a bit of weight to it yep whereas here like snc coach doesn't really mean anything right like in the grand scheme of all these people that influence fitness and influence athletes like you've got personal trainers you know you know being snc coaches and they've never done an snc degree right they've never done it because snc is not a protected title here so it's you don't have to do a degree to be a snc coach on paper so just be prepared to feel a little bit kind of lost, um, but kind of trust that if you're if you're work, wanting to work with athletes, just place yourself in those environments, and and you'll start to feel it. Uh, you'll start to separate between, you know, like a personal trainer and a, an mm-hmm. SNC coach. You'll start. They'll start to be that divide. You will start to feel not a hierarchy. I don't want to say hierarchy because there's definitely some amazing trainers that do an amazing job with the you know, community building, you know, good, you know, good client results and, you know, all sorts. I know some amazing personal trainers and I don't think myself is better or worse as them. We're, we're just in two different pathways. Mm. We are in the same, where are we are in the same car, but we're in, we're at different spaces within that vehicle where we're operating with different people in different, slightly different ways. And there's different thought processes behind it. I think, um, uh, because you, you, with athletes you can't you can't just wing it you know physiology yeah. there's rules and you know when you've just got someone in wanting to lose lose a few pounds like they just need to move and they need to enjoy mm. it and they need to be managed you know they need to manage intake and they need to you know but they just need to be committed and enjoy being physically active as, as a whole um, indoor and outdoor, so in and out of the gym. And again, I think uh, I know some great trainers which do a great job in that kind of balance. And they're not just coming to the gym five days a week, pay me, you know, X amount and mm. blah, blah, blah. It's like, it's all about quality of life and just enjoying being physically active. And it's great. Um, whereas with an athlete, you know, it's very programmed. And there's, like I say, there's, there's rules in which you want to meet because they have a, a, they have a tournament schedule or they have, uh, they might have training. Specific you know, they blocks. might have actual training, specific splite. So yeah, and that's a that's a whole other conversation that we can definitely get into. But um, yeah, as a new trainer, like as a new mm-hmm. sorry SNC coach, just be prepared to kind of feel like you're 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 not valued, I guess yet. Um, mm-hmm. And and that's that's not like that's natural. Again, it's like again, it's just the nature of the the industry at the moment it's just where it's at but 
the one thing that blew me away over in the US is how serious like the S&C mm. coach role is. Head, you know, head strength and conditioning coach comes with some super hot, like gravity to it, um, mm. and it's respected. Um, I do uh, think that you're right. It's I, sort of like it comes from that in in America. Obviously, you've got the NSCA where you have mm-hmm. to have a degree to go through it. Whereas, mm-hmm. unfortunately, in the UK, you don't have to have a degree, but as well they place a little bit more emphasis on the coaching element mm-hmm. so without having a degree there is like specific physiological markers that you you're required to know you're required to learn mm-hmm. through and you're assessed on it essentially that to go through the UKSEA um, program you don't have to have them you can just mm-hmm. read your textbook and that's it but you don't go into labs you don't go into that environment where that is being tested whereas mm-hmm. across in the uk that uh, the us that's that's a requirement you have to have a degree so mm-hmm. i think there is there's obviously pros and cons to every sort of qualification and um accreditation but mm-hmm. I, I think it's it's trying to figure out how to best go about it and mm-hmm. it, it is that thing unfortunately that you can have Joe from down the block that interested in fitness and now is the, the local club's S&C coach because he's he's done it. Mm-hmm. But what does he actually know? And like, mm-hmm. how how effective is he going to be? Now, I'm not saying that some great coaches haven't came out from that. They have in their own right. But it's usually taken more than that course to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. No, um, so for me, it, yeah, it's just trying to figure out which way is the best way to go. And like, it, it, it's so simple as well. You just read. You can read a million and different mm-hmm. one books and just apply different things. Um. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like what's what would you say has been the most valuable thing that you've sort of learned going through your educational pathway? Um, the um, what what kind of what it takes to be well. Well, I think what I've learned the most is um, have trust in your 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 abilities as well. Like, well, not as well, just in general. Like have a have a trust in your ability to. Um, to be a good coach and it will kind of click. Um, if you trust your ability um, and again, bringing in just be a good person, have good kind of like common awareness of just safety and um, you're working with people and have, you know, set some good professional standards, mm. you know, sets, you know, that are respectable. They, they don't have to be super high. Um so long because again like the, the less you focus on your you know uh if you don't focus on safety at all then your professional standards need to be super high but if you focus on it being generally good professional generally good person generally safe all of those sorts of things then things yeah things just start to flow nicely um mm-hmm. around you and then when things flow nicely around you and you you're you know you you, you, you trust it 
I think it's the, the kind of main word you become trusted. Then, um, yeah, things start to click. It doesn't matter whether you're working with athletes, self-employed, employed, um, working with another team. Like, you want to be an energy, you want to be a good energy within that space mm-hmm. for individuals and one up. So, um, like, you need to just have those foundations lay and just trust those basics and kind of things will start to just occur and, and flow around you nicely. Um, and then it's just a case of expanding on those as you, you know, if and when opportunities arise. Um, so, you know, once you get to a comfortable spot, look for something to expand that, you know, expand your professional standards mm-hmm. or expand your value or expand your safety ability or, you know, all of those sorts of things. Um, but just having the basics first and then looking to branch out slowly, take yeah. your time. Um, Cause I think a lot of people rush, they just do course, 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 bang. Um, or they don't do any courses and they just focus purely on money, 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 money. Like they just focus on like one thing that's super hard and super intense. They just lose that. Um, they lose like a lot of the other things that make, uh, you make, make you as a, a coach flow well and um, yeah. operate at a, night, you know, a good level. Um, I've got one last thing to say, and that's Perfect. let's make like babies. Ah, and head out. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah, there she is. Um, yeah, still creeping me out with that. When she said that, that, that I was like, that's one of the best phrases I've ever heard. Make like a baby and head out. So what I have one more that's, that was really good, and this is this is Coach McKeefe's. This is, and I've used this since. So he he said, uh, you've got to you've got to do a bit of swag, which is a scientific wild ass guess, which nice. I loved. <laughs> I like that one. Um, I yeah. like that. So yeah, swag it. <laughs> I like it. No, yeah, which uh, is often, so often what coming. we're doing half the time, right? Yeah. Uh, scientific wild ass guesses all over like one of the last things that coach Mark said to us uh, coach AJ actually he was like Mm -hmm. well done like you got pulled in a million different one directions and you just kept up yeah that's it keep plugging away like even like like coach Cook as well like because he was our intern supervisor he said something very similar like this was a hard like time that we were out there so like and at the time, there's times where you feel like, oh, I've really messed up. Like, I've not done a good, like, I've just not done that as good as what I could have done. But something is always going to be better than nothing. If, you know, it might not be done right, or it might not be done 100%, like, perfect. But if it's just 10%, then it's made someone's life 90% easier, right? 100%. So just keep, you know, keep doing those little things keep applying yourself in the things that you feel you're confident in with and you know like there was certain tasks like like i'm not the best um uh at like assigning tasks to people i'm not a great like um well I'm, it's just not something i've been exposed to because again i've been self self-employed i've not been in like a an employed scenario where i've had people that i have to like oh you could go do this and you could go do that and you could go do this as in, like as from an intern perspective so like accepting that and then just kind of like, all right, well, if someone asks me to do something, I'm just going to go do it. Like, or I'm going to try and do it before they ask. So then it's ready to go. So again, I'm just trying to make things slightly easier. hundred percent. Um, thank you so much for coming on. Um, obviously we've, we've spoke many times before 
Um, and it's always it's it's always that thing that you're saying. It's informative every time that we speak. Something that comes out of it, and I think that's why I like this podcast. Is that every episode you're sort of challenged to speak and challenging your ways of thinking, and just it's it's nice to have coaches coming on and speaking about their pathway and progression. So give a I shout out to your business and um yeah. social medias. So it's the, I'm currently <laughs> rebranding a little bit, but um, the Kinetic Coach, that's me on Instagram. Uh, other than that, it's, all, it's my name. So I do have a Instagram and Facebook for the business, but LinkedIn, it's just my name, Jet Wallhouse. Um, yeah, connecting with everybody. Um, and yeah, following on, following on Instagram because it's not something I've been massively successful with, but at the same time, I haven't really put much effort in. I haven't put that much mm-hmm. effort in. And it's some. I'm currently going through a bit of a rebrand, ready for a, uh, ready so to kind of get make things a little bit more automated. So uh, and Instagram's one of those things. So um, yeah, invested in a nice camera to take some videos and pictures. <laughs> so at least the content looks good. <laughs> at least yeah. at least the content looks. Good. That's all it needs to be. Perfect. Thank you so much, Jack. No problem. Good. Peace.